We want to hear from you right now. Text us at 918-262-5072. All right, welcome back. Live from River Spirit Casino Resort, inside the Scoreboard Sports Bar. We are hanging out this afternoon with our friends from Miller Lite, giving you another opportunity to stop by our location and get the exclusive text-to-win code that you need to register to win those tickets to see the Cowboys play on Thanksgiving against the Giants. We've got not only tickets to the game, we've got a two-night stay at the Gaylord Texan. That's $900 in its, in its own right. We've got access for you to the DraftKings party, and we're going to throw $500 cash on top of that. All you've got to do is come by here, get the exclusive text-to-win code from Miller Lite, and you are entered. If you, and you don't have to come out here multiple weeks. Once you're entered, you're already entered into the contest. So we are here until 6 o'clock this afternoon trying to make that happen for you here at River Spirit Casino Resort from our friends at Miller Lite. All right, let's hit up that Oklahoma Ford dealer's hotline and welcome in Scott Chasen, who's joining us now, co-host of the Drive 13, work with Tim Fitzgerald there, uh, and also the uh, KC Sports Network. What's going on, Scott? How are you today, man? I am doing great. You know, it's it's always nice when I can get a 918 phone call and it's not a spam caller because that I'm actually from <laughs> Tulsa originally. So I appreciate this phone call. It's awesome to are you are you really uh, where uh, where did you did you go to high school here in Tulsa? Yeah, so I, I was technically born in Maryland, but I spent twelve years in Tulsa. I went through the Union School District, okay. and I mean, look, the Brook Hideaway Pizza, BOK Center. I got all my <laughs> spots down in Tulsa. I have to tell everyone anytime KU goes down there where they should hit up while they're in town. Uh, all right, yeah. Then you've had a, an opportunity a few times with a tournament rolling back through here at the uh, BOK Center in the past. So I, uh, the, the very first question, it's a very basic one, because this is my first opportunity to talk to someone that covers Kansas so far this year, and that is how much damn fun has this year been? I know it sucks with the injury situation with Daniels. Like, I get that. But just in terms of fun in general, I, I mean, this came from absolutely nowhere. We knew they were going to be improved. But, man, Scott, this has just got to be a blast covering this team. Oh, it's been remarkable. It's been ridiculous. And it's been something that's been in the works for years and years. Uh, you know, the first KU football press conference I ever covered, Charlie Weiss was the head coach. And to go from that Oof. to David Beatty, who was, you know, in over his head, to go from David Beatty to Les Miles, who at least started to turn the tide of things just in terms of how he recruited and bringing in so many talented high school players, that now this staff, which is much more professional and knows what it's doing, has been able to develop and put into place on the field. Uh, it's been crazy. Uh, it shocked me that they started 5-0. and And, you know, they were right there with a very good TCU team. I mean, Oklahoma fans know just how good that TCU team can be. And Kansas, you know, Kansas scored three points in the first half of that game. They fumbled at the one-yard line, and yet they were driving to go for the win at the end of the game. Lance Leipold said afterwards they would have gone for two. So it's been a crazy turnaround, and, yeah, it's been fun. It's been exciting. And Kansas fans sold out the last three games. They've been so excited about this team, too. I was trying to think of a way to phrase this question, and I don't know any other way than uh, if truth serum were, was given out. I mean, clearly Lance would say, we, we are so far ahead of schedule on this from where we actually should be with starting 5-0. and uh, But with, with a hot start like this, does this and what has happened so far 
kick the program into overdrive. We've seen what they've done as far as fundraising and everything else and the facilities that they've been projecting here for a while. But does it set up a certain level of expectations, you know, one to two years so far in advance from anyone thought that they were actually going to accomplish? What has this done to just put the football program at a certain level, maybe earlier than anyone thought? Yeah, I think it's immeasurable how much this will end up helping, you know, what Kansas wants to do with the new stadium. I think they're in the early stages of that, although they have announced plans to kind of move forward with renovating, you know, a long overdue renovation for Memorial Stadium. Um, but this has been a program that's kind of started to, to put some money into football facilities and staff positions, um, really under the Jeff Long West Miles administration, which for people who, you know, don't pay that close attention to KU, did not end well. I mean, it had a winless 2020 season. There was off-field allegations over Les Miles dating back to his LSU time, and then Jeff Jeff Long was ousted, too, um, you know, after a press conference that he really didn't handle well around the time of Miles' departure. Um, but that regime brought in a bunch of staff analyst positions and helped finish uh, the practice facility. KU has an indoor practice facility right across from the stadium. Uh, they pretty recently, re, you know, redone the locker rooms. They look pretty cool. It's, it's pretty modern in there. That stadium is uh, the stadium and the football facility are the two things that need to kind of be updated next. And I think you're right. I mean, I think this momentum, I think the way they've started the season, has only pushed Kansas to try and make something happen more quickly. And I think Travis Goff, who's only been, you know, the athletic director for a couple of years now, um, I think he's had no problem jumping on that and trying to make something happen as quickly as possible. And it's also a unique situation to be in because here you are having this magical start to the season and you've got to start answering questions. And it, no matter what type of fan that you are, it's probably in the back of your mind about what potentially is looming out there when it comes to your head coach who just finally got things on track and a program on track. And I'm sure the athletic directors feel the same way to have to answer all these questions. And I hate it. I hate it because – what we already don't do enough of in sports, which is savor the moment and what we're witnessing, it's it's on to the next, and it's a cycle that seems like it's getting faster and faster and faster, and you start throwing his name around for other jobs, and it doesn't really allow you the moment to savor actually what's happening in front of your face right now. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And, I, you know, Lance Leipold has said, I guess, what you would expect. I mean, he hasn't flatly totally denied, you know, a hundred percent, we will not be going wherever. He hasn't done that, but he's come pretty close to saying that he didn't come to Kansas to leave and to jump to a new job. Um, you know, that being said, Nebraska and Wisconsin, those are the two jobs out there. You know, he spent a lot of time coaching in the state of Nebraska. He's from Wisconsin. He, you know, really started out at Wisconsin Whitewater winning six national titles. I believe he was the fastest coach ever to a hundred wins um, in terms of number of games. So, yeah, I mean, it, it would make sense that those would be the two openings that if you're a Kansas fan, you would be kind of afraid of him wanting to look at. And it's also unfortunate for Kansas fans that both of those jobs opened up or, you know, we'll see what happens with Wisconsin because they may go with their interim guy. But, um, you know, the, the line from Lance Leipold has been being where your feet are at. And that is something he said in his introductory press conference, something he continues to say. And he talks about not even wanting to address it with the players because of exactly what you just said, that he wants this to be about kind of how the team has done this year, and he'll let kind of the other things sort themselves out. Scott Jason is our guest here via the Oklahoma Ford Dealers Hotline. So the catalyst to this season is clearly QB1, and now the QB1 goes down, uh, and Jalen Daniels' season has been tremendous so far. Uh, you 
have to end up going and relying on Jason Bean, who came in and played exceptionally well, almost 67% of his passes, four touchdowns. And I saw a quote from a coach yesterday that said, the call sheet is the call sheet, meaning that the offense, in his opinion, doesn't change that much. But you've seen this much more than any of us have. What are the subtle nuances and differences that the offense will have now with being back under center um, than what we saw with Daniels? Or is there going to be a significant amount of change? Yeah, I think I would expect there to be some differences. And I'll go a little specific, then I'll go a little broader. So, you know, against the TCU game, they kind of started out. They've done some, like, spread triple option stuff and and a ton of pre-snap motion, kind of creative looks to confuse, you know, opposing defenses. And when Jason Bean came in the game, it got simplified a little bit more. His first option pitch was actually a fumble. And so they started running some of this wide zone running game, outside running game that they did a lot last year, um, and then doing some play action off of that. And Jason Bean looked comfortable. Um, It wasn't anything too terribly advanced, but the receivers made incredible plays, including Quentin Skinner, a former walk-on, I believe from the state of Oklahoma, had had just two remarkable touchdown catches. And they really had a few different ones where guys – you know, very easily could have been out of bounds and a couple that were even reviewed. So um, that's the kind of like micro look at it, maybe more wide zone and more, you know, more simplified. But Jason Bean's an athletic guy. He's a dual threat guy, straight line speed. He's one of the fastest on the team. Um, He's got a big arm just like Jalen Daniels. I I think the biggest differences would be Mm decision-making, consistency in terms of accuracy. And those are two things that are very important. Um, but even last year, there were times where both of those things were on, and he was very, very good and as good as Kansas has had at that quarterback spot since Ty Dreesing. And then there were times where those things were not on, and Kansas was very, very bad and struggled to hang in games. So um, Oklahoma fans will remember the game against Jason Bean last year where, yeah. you know, quite frankly, Caleb Williams had to make a remarkable play to keep Kansas from upsetting the Sooners. But, um, you know, it, it all sort of depends because if he plays like he did last week, I think Kansas has a great chance to win. And that's not just the touchdowns, just making the right decisions, giving his receivers a chance of being accurate. Um, but if he doesn't and he reverts back to some of that stuff last year, then, you know, it would not shock me if Oklahoma kind of ran away with this one. Well, the thing about Bean, too, is this is what his first start since week nine of last season. And I read where mm-hmm. he had said, look, I, I feel more confident That's fine. You can feel that way, right? But in in terms of your decision-making, typically that comes with having more seat time, more minutes out in in playing situations like that, and he hasn't had that. So it's kind of like a, hey, yeah, you played great, but now it's it's back to being your show again. Uh, We'll see, right, whether all of that confidence that he feels like he has actually translates over to when he has a start this week at Oklahoma. Yeah, I I think that's a great point, too. And when you talk about decision-making – you know, especially in Kansas's offense, it's not just about who you're throwing the ball to, which I thought he did generally make good decisions, but it's also that zone read game, the read option game, and, and then sometimes, you know, triple option plays. And I actually thought he had a really hard time with that um, in kind of his first action. Now, I will say Jalen Daniels' first option pitch of the season was also a fumble, so that took him <laughs> some time, you know, to get acclimated to in, in live game action. So, you know, I won't rule anything out, but I think that's why you saw Kansas you know, kind of simplify and change things a little bit last week. But I will tell you this, uh, Andy Kotelnicki's call sheet is insane. I've heard the Jayhawks put in 50 new plays every single Monday. That's not Oklahoma-specific. That's just a week-to-week thing. And uh, I had a player on the team tell me last or two weeks ago that they've maybe touched 3% of the plays available to them to the call. 
so far this year. So it would not shock me if that massive play sheet is still the play sheet. Uh, I just tend to think he'll be operating off maybe a different quadrant of the play sheet when he starts to call things for Jason Beaton. Well, there is one thing that's different, uh, and that is the weapons that he has this time in 2022 compared to 2021, and by far how more proven that they are from all the different wide receivers to the running backs. These are now proven and known commodities that he has now uh, with him on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, you're, you're 100% right. And a lot of these guys, too, are freshmen who have finally, or were freshmen, who, who have finally developed by being in college for a year or two or three. Um, a lot of guys that Les Miles brought in, a lot of guys that Emmett Jones, the former receivers coach, brought in. You, you are 100% correct, especially at the running back position where they've added a couple transfers. You know, Savion Morrison from Nebraska, Kai Thomas from Minnesota. I think both of those guys are still kind of looking to break out. Daniel Hyshaw was sort of the the breakout candidate at running back earlier this year, but he's most likely out for the season with, you know, what appears to be some kind of a hip injury. So um, those transfer backs, both former four-star guys in their own rights, they'll get their chance to kind of compliment Devin Neal, um, who is Kansas's lead running back from right, you know, in town in Lawrence, Kansas. And uh, you, you're absolutely right. The weapons are absolutely better. They're a year older. They're, they continue to be well coached. And um, I, I think I saw Kansas's wide receivers have, maybe the second-best pro football focus grade in the nation so far this year. Wow. Um, and, and that's absolutely ridiculous considering these are not four- and five-star guys. These are a lot of, you know, three-star guys and in, some, in one case a walk-on um, who this program has just developed over time. So a lot of the focus clearly gets placed on what they're doing offensively. And then the other unit doesn't hardly get talked about much at all. Maybe they do because you're living it, but outside of the state of Kansas, it seems, you don't really hear a whole hell of a lot about their defense at all. So uh, tell us about the defensively and how they've been able to evolve here to this point in October. You know, the defense has improved from last year, uh, in part because it would, couldn't have been worse uh, than it was last year. You know, Kansas's defense didn't have depth. Um, it didn't necessarily have the talent. But similar, like we talked about with those weapons, they've added transfers. They've added guys at the point of attack. You know, Craig Young came from Ohio State. He's a do-it-all linebacker for them. They added uh, Lonnie Phelps on the defensive line from Miami of Ohio. He was like a near double-digit sack guy last year. He's clearly been their best pass rusher. You know, they brought in these guys at each level of the defense, and they haven't been great this year, right? Against West Virginia, I think they allowed a touchdown on every drive in the first half. But I would say situationally, they've stepped up when called upon. In the second half of that game, they came out and got three stops. Um, in this last game against TCU, the Kansas defense got four stops in a row before TCU scored for the first time. And like I mentioned, Kansas scored three points in the first half against probably the undisputed best offense in the Big 12 and arguably the most explosive offense in the nation. Uh, they scored three points and they were down by a touchdown because the defense held over and over and over and over. So um, it's not the strength of this team. And if they can't get pressure with four and they have to go to some of their blitz stuff, that leaves them very susceptible in the back end. But situationally, at times this year, the defense has been pretty good. They only allowed 11 points in a whole game against Iowa State. Um, so they have stepped up often when called upon, but not every time. And that's definitely a unit you can get to, especially you know if Dylan Gabriel is back and that Oklahoma passing attack is working. So one went away from bowl eligibility for the first time since 2018. Uh, I assume, though, that yeah, as big of a deal that that is, 
the last thing that anyone would want right now is just to be have the, the bowl eligibility mark be like the overall goal for the season. That might have been at the beginning of the year, but things change when you start 5-1. and one. In your opinion, does this team have enough staying power to still be factored into the race here by the time we get to the end of the season in the, in the conference? Yeah, I, I think they really needed the TCU game just with how that game went. Um, it was tough to not have a chance to win that game at the end. And I know some fans are unhappy with there was like a potential penalty that was missed on a fourth down. But I, I would say Jason Bean missed Devin Neal, the running back in the flat on that final drive. And if he hits that, Kansas might have scored or Kansas might have been deep inside the red zone needing that touchdown to have a chance at a walk-off two-point conversion. So uh, I do think Kansas is good enough, especially offensively, to kind of hang around. But they've got a really tough three-game stretch here at Oklahoma uh, at Baylor and then versus Oklahoma State. And because they dropped that TCU game, they've probably got to go 2-1 and one at worst through that stretch to, you know, have a chance to hang around here. So, you know, I, I would say that starts with beating Oklahoma. Um, if Kansas wants to be a legitimate Big 12 title contender, they've got to, you know, go to Norman and get a win in a place that has been for a lot of teams for a very long time very tough to do, um, even if Oklahoma is down this year. So, Kind of a cop-out answer, but I'll say, you know, really this weekend will tell us if Kansas is a Big 12 title contender or not. See, I already know that you're a pro because you're jumping on radio giving uh, cop-out answers. See, you've already got this thing uh, completely mastered and all the way down. Scott, this has been great, man. Thanks for the great info. Uh, should be a good game on Saturday, maybe even a better game on Sunday with the Bills and Chiefs, and what an awesome showdown that that is on Sunday. And it's great to have a former Tolson back on the airwaves here with us on the Blitz, man. I can't thank you enough for your time today yeah thanks for having me and i was going to say you know i'm a pro because i'm not only giving you double-sided answers but i'm also you know pandering to everyone by saying how much i love the state of oklahoma just as i get them there you go you got it down you got it down that's all you need thanks dude i appreciate it man thanks all right that is the a wonderful and I do mean wonderful, Matt. Scott Chasen joining us here on the Blitz 1170. Follow him at Chasen Scott, C-H-A-S-E-N, Scott, uh, part of the KC Sports Network and also doing some good stuff with uh, Tim Fitzgerald, who covers the uh, Kansas State Wildcats. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. I believe we're going to talk a little hogs coming up next. Is that correct, Matt? Yes, sir. Andrew Ellis from Hog Sports slash 24-7 Sports is going to be joining us. I have one question for Andrew. What happened? What, what, what happened? Exactly. That's next here on the Blitz.